0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Well, this past week marked a uh, significant week in my life and in Jess's life and in the life of our family. Uh, It was five years ago on Wednesday, I believe, that our daughter Riley had open heart surgery at five weeks old, and she had a rare heart condition called Tetralogy of Fallot, where they needed to go in and and correct uh, some issues that were going on with her heart so that she could get proper blood flow to her lungs and to close up some holes and that kind of stuff. And as a first-time parent, not knowing uh, that that was going to happen, you know, your, your child's born and then the, the day that she's born, you find out, man, like she's got some problems and she's going to need, you know, some, some surgery. And you hear the word open heart and you think about, man, that's, that's a pretty big deal. And so we, uh, over the, la- the first five weeks of her life, just kind of went to the doctors and prepared for that. And that week, I'll never forget the feeling and and this week, you know, just seeing the pictures on Facebook sends Facebook memories to you. Anybody getting used to that yet? Like I sit there and like thumb through my memories and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at my kids. Look how big they are. Like all these memories come flooding back. And this week was the week, this past week, that Riley faced open-heart surgery. So immediately, a lot of those feelings that I had coming back, and I'll never forget, you know, the, the, I can vividly remember driving to the hospital at like five in the morning, that it was dark, it was cold, and knowing, like, I didn't sleep that night, and just on our way to the hospital, I remember that I can remember walking in, I can remember walking through the hallways, and checking in, and, and sitting back in this room, and it was cold, and Riley hadn't eaten, you know, for like 12 hours, she wasn't allowed to eat, so a five-week-old that doesn't get to eat, right, they're not really happy, and so I can remember, I'm just sitting there holding her, trying to get her to calm down, trying to get her to fall asleep, and finally she falls asleep. And that's when the nurse walked in and said, okay, it's time. And the surgical team was there. And I'll never forget the feeling that I had of handing a five-week-old over to them to go, man, they're going about to open my daughter up. And I remember handing them over and they're, you know, we're kind of like just starting to cry and they try to comfort you. And we walked down to this hallway and the doors were there and they said, this is as far as you can go. And we promise you we're going to take great care of her. And I remember walking down the hallway, going to the waiting room, sitting there, and just beginning to cry and pray. And the feelings that I had in that moment, those are something that you never forget. But I knew, not because of my feelings, but because of my faith, that God was going to be with her. And that the God that I served loved her more than me. And that he was never going to leave her, and that he was never going to forsake her. But I can remember the helplessness that I felt. I was helpless. There was literally nothing I could do for my child. There was nothing, it was completely out of my control. It was just, here you go. And I wasn't just placing her in the hands of that nurse, I was placing her in the hands of the God that I serve and the faith that I have in him. And so today, we're starting this series on hope, and today I want you to realize that there's gonna be times in life that you feel helpless, okay? That there's literally nothing you can do. It's just totally out of your control, but that does not mean that you are hopeless, okay? And there's a big difference between that. There's a difference between feeling helpless and hopeless. But how can that be? How can we feel hopeful in helpless situations? How can we find hope when it seems like there is none to be found? After all, right? Like life is full of these situations where we just find ourselves feeling completely helpless. In Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 11, a very familiar passage With the Christmas season on the birth of Jesus. It says that that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them Don't be afraid. Maybe some of you this morning, we can just stop right there. Maybe that's what you need to hear from God today. Maybe you just need to hear. Maybe you feel helpless, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is with you. His presence is with you. That's what Christmas is all about. And he says this, the angel says, you don't need to be afraid. I bring you good news. Look at your neighbor and say, good news. There's good news, a.k.a. there's, there's hope. There's hope for you. That's what the good news is, that there will be great joy to all the people. This news, this hope is gonna bring you joy. The Savior Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in the city of Bethlehem. He's saying, I'm bringing you some good news because some of you, you were without hope and now there is hope for you. The Savior has come, the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the chosen one, who God set up and God sent for us to deliver us from our sin, to pay the price for our sin. In the Greek, the word Messiah means Christos, the Christ The one who is coming to save us. And because Jesus came, because he has come, because his presence is still here, we just sing of his presence that fills this place that he is with us even now. And because of that, in helpless situations, you are never without hope. Because God is with you. Because God is here. How do you define hope? I always look to Mr. Webster. He's good at definitions. And he said, Hope is this, it's a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. And the next definition said it's a person or a thing that may help save someone. Today, man, I, I give you this Christmas message just like the angels said to the shepherds then, I come with great news, with joy that the Savior has been born, that hope for you and for me in this day. 2015, it is here. Hope is here. You may feel helpless, but you are not without hope because the one who saves us from our sin is here with us. And because of Jesus and what he did for us, we have hope. And the good thing about hope is, is you don't need a lot. A little bit of hope will go a long way. But the thing is, is that we have to Look for hope. It's not some magical formula that we have that we just go, okay, God, give me hope. And it happens. Like, there is action to what we need to do in this. And there's another account of the birth of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 2 about these three wise men, or the magi. And it said in Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 2, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn King of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Scholars believe that this was about a two year journey from where they traveled on camel and footback to get to Jesus and because of Jewish tradition and the, and the, the people when they were captured in Babylon, these guys knew somehow they had caught word that when this star came that it was a sign that the savior was gonna be born and so they went on this journey to find Jesus, and they traveled all this way. I can imagine two-year journey on, cam- on foot and camels, right? That's not, it's not easy, that they pursued the hope that they were looking for. They went on a journey to find it, and look, our journey is going to be difficult too, but if we're going to find hope, if we're going to find Jesus, if we're going to get to experience the peace that he brings, we have to pursue him. We have to seek after him. We have to worship him. And our hope is found in him. And when you seek him, the Bible is very clear, you will find him. And he is the source of our hope. And so some of you feel without hope. And the reason you feel that way is because there's no pursuit of the hope that we find in Jesus. We have to pursue him. And when you seek him, you'll find him. Today I've just put all kinds of scripture in this message, and it'll be on the screens, and you can follow along on the Adventure Church app, and those scriptures are in there, and you can save them. But today, I want to give you some scripture that, that talks about hope and how it's found in God and in Jesus. Psalm twenty-three, five. It says, "No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame." Where we've we've put our hope in people before? And a parent, and a, and a spouse, and a relationship, and a significant other, and they've, they've let us down. And they say, look, when you put your hope in the right place, in God, in Jesus, you'll never be put to shame. But then Lamentations 3.25 says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, and then it says this, and to the one who seeks him, that you have to seek the hope that you're looking for. So we have to seek God and worship him and put our hope and belief in him. We have to act on our belief to make it come alive in our life. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me there, right? So our hope is here. Jesus came over 2,000 years ago, the savior of the world, the one who forgives us of all of our sin, who paid the price for our sin. But we have to put our hope in him and in nothing else. Our hope is found only in him. So our hope is in him and, here's the kicker, it comes from him. Let me explain this to you, Psalm 62, five through six. It says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. See, our hope comes from God and our hope comes from him And from his word, Psalm 119, 114, it says, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. That God's word is full of his promises to you and me. That when we feel helpless, when we're in a situation where we're facing uncertainty and we don't know what's gonna happen, we may feel helpless, but that does not mean that you are hopeless, that you can remain hopeful because our hope is found in his word, right? And his word tells me a lot of stuff, like he'll never leave me or forsake me, that I can get through anything with Jesus, not because of me, but because of the one who is inside me. And it says the one who is inside of you is greater than anything else, and that the spirit that he placed in you is the one, the same spirit that raised Jesus Jesus Christ from the dead and you have access to that kind of power. That's good preaching even though you're not saying anything. <laughs> Our hope comes from God and his word. Romans 15:4, Apostle Paul, he says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. What? that we might find hope in Jesus. That everything that was written in his word is to encourage you, is to teach us about endurance and that when we put our, our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ that we will find hope. So to summarize this, Jesus has come, amen. He's here, his presence is here. When we worship him, it says when two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of them that we can experience that presence. And that our hope is in him and in his word and the promises that he gives us. And so as we get into the series, it's kind of like the Christmas carol. Everybody's seen the Christmas carol, right? And you have the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. So over the course of this series, we're going to be talking about how do you find hope for your past? How do you move past that? How do you find hope for your present? The situations you're in right now the difficulty that you're facing? How do we find hope in our world that just seems to be falling apart where there's tragedy after tragedy where now we're fearful to to go sit in a movie theater because we don't know what would happen? How do we find hope in the present and how do we find hope for our future? How do we not worry and how do we not have fear about what is in front of us and what's in front of our children and our family? And so today we're going to dive into our past and and the first thing that we need to realize about our past is that God never intended your past to be something that drags you down. And your past shouldn't be something that drags you down. That our past is a rudder to guide us and not an anchor to hold us. That that it's okay to realize that we've made some mistakes and we must learn from the past, but God didn't intend for you to live in the past. And today, if you are stuck in something in your past, let me tell you, that is not from God. That is not what God wants for you. That is not his plan for you. And we're going to talk through that a little bit, but if you feel stuck in your past, if there's something that keeps coming up, that keeps surfacing every time you try to move forward, let me tell you something, that is from the enemy, that is from the devil, and that is not of God in your life. That is not what he wants for you. God is way more concerned about your future than he is your past. But I think there's a couple areas of the past that we have to really look at that that can hold us back, that can keep us from moving forward, that we need hope for. And the first part is, is the good past, right? the good past some of some of it is like man i just want to go back to the way it used to be and we try to recreate these past experiences i think about that this time of year like the holiday traditions that you had as a kid right like i wish i was a kid again so that santa would come and visit me do you remember the anticipation of santa coming to your house I'll never forget that I had this pillow pow, I think it was called or something, and Santa brought it to me, and I, I still question why he brought it to me in this black trash bag. I just don't think he, he knew how to wrap it any other way, but I can remember tearing open that trash bag and going, man, it was my pillow pal, and it, this came from the North Pole, and I was smelling it and going, this is what the North Pole smells like, <laughs> and I'm looking at a plate of cookies that are half eaten, and I'm picking it up and going, I'm touching the same thing that Santa Claus touched. This is unbelievable. The excitement. And, and, and I wish I was a kid again. I wish I could go back to that anticipation, but it's gone. Don't we try to do that in our lives sometimes? The good part of our past where we go, man, if I could just get back to that, that season, to that time, the way it used to be, and I'm telling you, the way it used to be will keep you from all that God has for you right now. We deal with that in church all the time. People send us uh, song requests like we're DJs. And they go, can you play this one song? I'm like, that song is like 30 years old. Yeah, I know, but man, they played it at this summer camp I went to and it just takes me back, you know, and I just wanna feel that way again. I'm like, you ain't gonna feel that way again. We can play that song all you want. You ain't gonna feel 30 years younger with not a care in the world, right? But we try to recreate past experiences. That'll keep you from what God has for you. The bad, the bad part of our past, right? Shame. The shame of what we feel for things that we did because we regret it. And if we could go back, man, I would do that different. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have said that. I would take those things back and because of that, we deal with guilt. And, and we, we struggle with with forgiving and moving forward and then we've been hurt or people have hurt us you've been wronged someone someone did something to you and it still hurts there's still an open wound there and there's bitterness because of it and there's unforgiveness in your heart and i'm telling you man that will hold you back that'll keep you from pursuing all that god has for you i think about the movie back to the future, you know, we just celebrated like the, the date that they went back and it was all over the Facebook and Michael J. Fox was on Jimmy Kimmel and Doc was on there and, and I was kind of recreating those experiences, watching those movies and they had the marathon so I record DVR'd all of them and was watching them and just just thinking about the, the awesome part that, that they could go back, right? Like that was the whole thing in the movie, like hey, we messed this up so now we gotta go back back you know again again to refix what we messed up so that your future can be good and we try to do that where we live in the past that we can't go back there we can't take a time machine back there but we we still live there and we're trying to figure out how can we fix this and there's no fixing it it's over it's done and today that's what you have to realize is like look the past is the past you you have to learn from it and God wants us to learn from it but you cannot live there because God is more concerned about your future than he is your past. I'm gonna explain to you why. So how do we do that? How do we get past our past? The first thing that you have to do, this is the take-home application, and it's a lot easier to preach than it is to live, but the first thing you have to do is forgive others. You gotta forgive some people. If you're really gonna move on, from your past, the, the hurts, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, we have to forgive one another. Hebrews 12:15 describes bitterness as this poisonous root. It says, "Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many." because that's the bad thing about bitterness. Is that it doesn't just affect you, man, it pours over into your life, right? It says it's not just going to affect you, it's going to affect many. It's going to affect those around you. And it's saying it's a poisonous root. Man, it's a cancer that's inside of you that maybe people don't see. Maybe you don't even realize it's there sometimes, but it's growing inside of you. And it's saying it's a poisonous root. It will poison you and affect not only you, but those around you. So we, we have to forgive others. You go, how, how do you do that? But see, forgiveness is for you, it's not for them, okay? That's the first thing you gotta realize, it's not about them. You see, bitterness again is like this cancer, it's unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And you go, well, if I forgive them, I'm letting them off the hook. No, you're not, you're letting yourself off the hook because you're still living in the past and that person still has power over you because you haven't forgiven them. So why would you let them hold you back from all that God has for you? You let go of it and, and move forward. I was talking to a guy this week who went through a divorce and his wife just closed it up, said I'm done, I don't wanna fight, I don't want counseling, I want nothing, out of nowhere. And he was talking to me this week and I'm, I'm just amazed at, at how the grace of God and the power of, of God is working in his life. He was like, yeah, I, just, I had to let it go. I was like, you, you talk to her? Yeah, yep. Yeah. we talk to each other. We have a friendship. I'm like, man, that, that's amazing, dude. Kudos to you. If, if I was in your spot, I hope that I could respond the same way. Because he understood. If, if I just hold on to that, it's going to keep me from all that God has for me. i got to move forward. And here's the other reason we forgive. Because it's not about us, it's, it's not about them, it's about you. We forgive because we've been forgiven. The Bible's very clear about that. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. That the amount of grace and forgiveness you extend to others is, is directly the amount that God extends towards you. Now, about you, but I need a lot of his forgiveness, amen? I need a lot of it. So I'm not gonna be holding back what I can give to others so he doesn't do it to me. We forgive because we've been forgiven. I'm thankful. That, that there's people in, in, in my life that have forgiven me because I've made some mistakes in my life. I've let some people down. I've hurt some people, and I'm thankful that they have extended grace to me, that they've extended forgiveness to me, and that I can do the same for them. And you go, but look, you don't understand, Kyle. You don't know what they did. You don't know how bad it hurt. Man, I understand that there's, there's certain things that happen to you that, that take some time to work through that maybe even takes counseling, It takes some, some really diligent work on our part to move forward, but you can move forward. And I would say this is how you do it. And it's really just one word, is, is you pray. You pray. And you don't pray for them to get into a wreck, right? You don't pray for them to lose their job or for someone to do to them what they did to you, right? We don't pray that way. You pray that, that they would turn their life to God, I think that's the biggest prayer we pray for people who have hurt us. We pray, God, I pray that they would turn back to you because the reason they're making these decisions and these poor choices and they're hurting people is because you're not at the center of their life and they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit working in them to overcome those things and so they're continuing to hurt. So God, I pray that they would turn to you That they would find the same hope that I have found in you. That you will begin to work in their life like you have worked in mine and that you will begin to change them just like you've changed me. Because you have forgiven me and so God, I will forgive them. Matthew 5, 43 through 44, it says, you have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. How many of you wish that was still the law, right? That God said, yeah, you can just hate them all you want. But God knew better. He knew what that hate would do to you. He said, but I say, Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. When you forgive people that don't deserve your forgiveness, you are putting God on display in a way that is so powerful and transformational that they will go, you didn't, I didn't deserve your forgiveness, yet you have forgiven me. Man, that will make room for God to work in their life. But listen, don't wait until you feel like praying to begin praying, okay? Listen, listen. For bitterness and unforgiveness, that's an act of obedience. It's not an act of, I feel like praying for you now. Listen, you will never feel like praying for someone who hurt you. But you begin to pray anyway. You act now and then the feelings will follow because it's only when you get God involved that the supernatural, and that's supernatural to forgive someone who's hurting you in a deep way, the supernatural will follow that. So you begin to pray. And maybe all you get out at first is God be with them. God be with them. God, save them. God, help them turn to you. And that's all you get. And as you begin to pray, I believe it will begin to change not only you, but it will begin to change them. To move past our past, we have to forgive others. Secondly, you need to forgive yourself. For a lot of you, this is is even bigger than forgiving someone who's hurt you. You need to forgive yourself. Jeremiah 31 34 says, And I will forgive their wickedness. This was the prophet saying I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. You see, God not only forgives our sins, he forgets about them. You go, so what are you saying, Kyle? Like God has a bad memory or something? Too many kids to keep up with? Can't keep track of everything that we've done wrong? No, 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 no. It's it's not that God doesn't remember, it's that God made a choice not to hold them against you anymore. Because he sent Jesus, hope has come. Hope for your past is that you are in Jesus, that he no longer holds your past against you. He no longer holds what you did yesterday against you, he doesn't hold against you what you did 20 years ago. He says it's over, it's done, I'm not concerned about your past, I'm focused on your future. So my word says that I don't only forgive you, I forget about it. I'll never bring it back up again. That's hard for us, right? Because we can't do that. We can't remove things from our memory. So we may forgive someone who's hurt us, but we still don't trust them. Well, I forgive you, but I'm not letting you do that again. And we keep a wall up, right? And we don't forget about the hurt. We may move forward in some ways, but we don't forget. But God says that he forgets. He doesn't hold them against us. Romans eight, one through two, it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you belong to him, there's no condemnation. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That because of Jesus, because hope came, because it's here now, Because of what Jesus did, we have hope and there's no condemnation and God does not hold our past against us. So if God can forgive us, why can't we forgive ourselves? If God forgives you, if he doesn't hold it against you and he doesn't remember it anymore, why are you holding it against yourself? I think God stands there with us sometimes and he's like, man, I really wish you would get over this. I know you did that. I know you hurt them. I know your marriage failed. I know you let them down. But I'm not concerned about that. I, I have a plan and I can use this stuff to get you closer to that plan if you would just let me, if you would just come to me, if you would just pursue and seek, you would find 1 John 1, 8 through 9, it says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. I don't think we have a problem with that. We know that. It says we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Listen, God's grace is huge, right? It's amazing, and when we confess our need for Jesus, if you belong to him, if you said, God, you paid the price for my sins, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you lived, that you died, and that three days later you rose from the dead, and by the power of your Holy Spirit that's living within me, that I am forgiven of my sin, and I can walk in grace knowing that I don't stand in my own righteousness, that I stand in yours, and that God sees me totally differently than I see myself, that he sees me through the filter of your blood and in the filter of your sacrifice and he doesn't see my sin and he doesn't hold it against me and he doesn't even remember it. It's over. You see, we struggle with that because we don't think that way. We don't see that way. But once we belong to Christ, listen, you are not defined by what you did, but by what Christ has done on the cross for you. You aren't defined by what you did. You're now defined in the eyes of God by what Christ has done on the cross. You're different. You're changed. He sees you differently. And it's his amazing grace that covers all sin, all of it, the worst of the worst that you've done. It's all covered. That is what our hope is in. Again, if this was an amening and clapping church, you guys would be standing up and shouting me down right now because that is the grace that I stand here and preach in today, that it's his amazing grace. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, and this means that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person, that the old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. Christmas, the gift of Jesus who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, you see this excites me because I was once dead, but now I'm alive and not alive in me, but I'm alive in Christ. And because I'm alive in Christ, God doesn't see me, he doesn't see my past, he doesn't see my issues, he sees Jesus in me and I was on the fast track to a life that was terrible on my way to hell, but God saved me, he turned me around and he set me on a path towards him and his purpose in heaven. I'm telling you, this is way better preaching than you're shouting. Because if you were dead and now you're alive, you should be rejoicing because your past doesn't matter. It's over, it's done. Hope is here, it has come. You are forgiven, you are freed. Why would you allow yourself to be shackled to your past that God is saying, Get over it? I'm over it. You get over it. Move forward. Thank you for encouraging me with that clap. as the band comes and we close out today. Look, I want you to look at your past for a second. Let's think about it. What is it? What is your past? What's haunting you? What is the ghost of your Christmas past that surfaces all the time over and over again? Think about it. I want you to stare it down. Look at it. And then see it how God sees it. Don't dwell on it because you're not who you used to be. You're not what you did. Listen, look how far you've come. Look at your past, but not as something to hold you back. Look at it as a, as a as a landmark to say, oh my gosh, I was there, but now I'm here. Look what God has done in my life. Look what God has been able to do. You see all that God has done and all that he is doing in your life that you may have been there, but look, now you're here. And hope is here you're here the fact that you're in this place today that you're in church on a sunday morning at 9 15 that you're here that you put your kids in kids church that you showed up some of you served some of you made coffee some of you greeted that you're here that god's doing something great that he's at work in your life simply because you're here and hope is here jesus is here you see, the devil wants to use your shame and your guilt to keep you stuck in the past. He wants us to hide our past in the darkness instead of bringing it into the light of God's forgiveness. You see, God wants to use our past to display his power. So you can tell everyone else, yeah, that used to be me. But that's not me anymore. Look what God is doing. Look what He has done—the power of His forgiveness—that we can share that with other people. God forgave me; He can forgive you. That I was without hope, I felt helpless, but I was—I had hope—not because of me, but because of Jesus. And that God has a purpose for my pain; He has a purpose for the mistakes. The Bible says that He uses all things; He works all things together the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I opened with a story about Riley today and how I felt hopeless helpless I'm sorry in that situation where it literally was out of my control I was putting my trust in those doctors and in God and I was not hopeless because my hope was in God let me encourage you today my God has been so faithful to me He's been so faithful to Riley. I posted this picture this week of that was Riley when we first walked in after she had surgery. And again, that was one of those feelings that you never forget. She was five weeks old, but because of the toil that the bypass puts on her body, she was swollen and she just looked huge and really was unrecognizable to us and how we felt and we were told we would be in the hospital between 8 to 12 days for a 5 week old to recover from that surgery and there was hundreds, thousands of people praying for us because of the different places Jess and I had been in ministry and we went home in 4 days Amen right and now this is Riley just this fall 5 years old full of life, healthy happy No restrictions holding her back from the future that God has for her, nothing. She can pursue and do whatever she wants in God's plan. And I shared on that post that that I still see her scar, right? The scar is still there. It's growing with her and it's faded some, but it's still there, it will always be there. But listen, I'm telling you as truthful as I can, that scar never reminds me of the pain I felt seeing her like that. It doesn't remind me of the pain I had handing her over. It doesn't remind me of the helplessness that I felt in that moment. That scar doesn't remind me of the pain. It reminds me of God's promises. It reminds me of his provision for her and it reminds me of his purpose for her. And in fact, we don't even call it a scar with Riley. We call it her miracle mark. But that is a mark on your life when God provided a miracle for you. You never forget that. You never forget what God did for you. And I know because of the way he moved and what he did, that he has a great purpose for her pain. That he's a great purpose for our pain. And that scar serves as a reminder of his faithfulness. And listen, if he did it for her and he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Whatever scar it is, whatever wounds you have, he can heal it. He can bring purpose from it and he will work it together for your good. So today as we stand and we close with this song and this song is again talking about the presence of God, that our hope is here, that his presence is what brings hope and that the chains that we once wore, they don't bind us to our past, they don't tie us to our past. The chains we wore are actually now shackled and bind the shame that we felt. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to him, and your purpose is in him, he will remove your past from you, he'll forget about your past, and he will use it for his glory, for his purposes in your life. And so today as we sing, would we put our hope in Jesus once again? Would we put our faith in him and declare how good he is to us? And for some of you, Maybe you need to lift your hands, maybe you need to like literally let go of those chains and declare in faith that God has a purpose, that because he came, you have hope.